Good morning and welcome to the Emerging Tech Series on the Leadership and Insurance Podcast. I'm your host, Gavin Savage. This is the podcast where we bring together technologists from the world of InsureTech to generate insights around the rapidly evolving innovation and, and digital transformation across the insurance landscape. I'm very lucky to be joined today by Dipti, VP of Engineering at Omnius. Omnius are the leading provider of intelligent insurance claim automation using AI and big data to help improve insurance end-to-end claims. Welcome, Dipti. How are you doing? Morning, Gavin. Morning. It's a nice, lovely Friday morning. Looking forward to the weekend. Very nice. Very nice. And the weather is very similar to what we're getting in the UK here over in Berlin. Very hot. Yeah. Yes. Could be better, but let's hope. Let's hope the summer's only getting started. Yeah. Yeah, well, it started for us quite a while ago now. We're getting unusually warm weather um, in the UK um, months in advance. But um, but like before we begin and kind of get into all the topics that we want to cover, um, I just thought it was, I think it's quite nice to always start um, on this podcast that we usually do with just a bit about you, um, your journey into the, the world of tech and insure tech mainly. But just kind of wanted to, yeah, cover that and, and, and discuss how that journey has been for you. Yes, absolutely. I mean, it's been a while. I am an old person. So, you know, it's been a while, the entire journey of uh, being in the tech world. But I can start from the start, right? So I started off with having an education in computer science. And uh, the real reasons to, you know, ignite that passion was Super Mario Brothers, like a lot of other people have. So I think games have been quite uh, prominent in uh, kind of wanting to have fun uh, with systems. And that's where it started, really. So, uh, yeah, I started off with an education in computer science engineering, uh, worked as a developer for a few years. And uh, soon after, I actually realized that, you know, my real passion uh, lies in not just working with the systems, but the people who make them. So I was super interested in learning and knowing more about how to go about this. And uh, management was something that was super important to me as a domain. And I could see, you know, a lot of... uh, a lot of significance in terms of where companies are and why they are because of the good or the bad leadership uh, involved in the underground, right? So that's where, you know, that's where I started exploring more. So I got an MBA with a focus in strategy and organizational behavior, learned a lot regarding patterns, learned a lot regarding uh, business patterns and, uh, you know, also regarding the people who make these businesses and, you know, how do we go about it? So the juncture where I am right now in the role of uh, VP of engineering, it comes in really beautifully as, you know, there are parts of my job which are very focused on uh, the technology side, but then there are parts of my job which are very focused on having the right strategy, having the right vision for my teams, but also having the right input on, you know, what we do as a culture, as a company. Uh, And I think uh, it is probably a role I see myself living for a long, long time in and, you know, always having something new to discover. So that's a little bit about my journey in terms of the domains I've worked in. I've had a very vast um, 
if I myself say so myself, uh, realm of topics that I've touched. So I've been in the private and public forum of uh, companies. So, you know, worked with uh, the Institute of uh, Louisiana Department of Education at a certain point of time, worked with, you know, the games industry at another point, and also having a background in e-commerce and landed in insurance now for, over three years and I think I'm only scratching the surface. Mm, amazing thank you and um, yeah it's not, not a traditional journey um, and so we can definitely come back to that later in the podcast but thanks for just giving that brief overview and, and I guess for the listeners it makes sense to just kind of hopefully I described Omnius at the beginning um, there but you know who are Omnius and, and what is your mission? So Omnius, you know, Omnius actually has a really exciting uh, uh, mission because it is to revolutionize, one of the toughest words to pronounce, uh, to, you know, revolutionize the entire insurance industry. And it's been in the space of uh, AI since the last eight years. So that's since the time it began. And it's, you know, the big thing that Omnius wants to do is to make insurance more accessible, efficient, and most importantly, customer-centric to, uh, to you know, the solutions that we provide. So we are powered by AI, and I think that has been our cornerstone. Uh, we are very tech-driven as well. Uh, what we do as a product, we call it the digital claim adjuster. And to put it simply, right? So what digital claim adjuster does is provide a AI as a, a software as a service solution. And what we aim to do is bring out out of the box uh, digital claims transformation experiences uh, for low to medium severity claims, uh, starting already from the first notice of loss and to the creation of uh, payment itself without any human intervention in the court uh, systems. So uh, think about you know, the complex systems now. For these complex systems, Omnius takes over the tedious tasks uh, so that the human adjusters in the background can really fully focus on the damage assessment. And uh, the goal is to really provide the insurance uh, companies or the insurers themselves with a reduced uh, process time and uh, noticeably increasing the customer satisfaction, the retention, and you know just the experience of uh, going through a very dull insurance claim by the end of it. Mm, thank you. Yeah, I mean, the, the whole AI piece within automation and claims within insurance it's been slow to adopt as we know I mean I think particularly in the UK but I think it's been great to see that journey that Omnis have been on you know found in 2015 mm -hmm. and uh, one thing I wanted to ask was that experience of, of of doing that you know the experience of of taking them through that journey I think most recent round was series A in November last year mm -hmm. um, you know, that experience of fundraising in a year which was very turbulent, but also doing it in a space that's, that's you know, quite new to the industry. Yes, yes. So I think uh, AI in the insurance industry seems like, you know, two opposite things that meet, right? Mm -hmm. 
But the, the, what worked for us really was the early adoption, as I was mentioning before. So we started uh, eight years back just using AI. There was, of course, skepticism and uncertainty around it. But the concept of leveraging AI for insurance claim automation was, you know, an ambitious gamble. And, uh, and we stuck to it. And there were lots of necessary steps to, you know, keep to it, of course. So I can tell you a little more perhaps regarding what we do and we continuously do to come over uh, such a skepticism. So in terms of uh, one of the greatest things, right, is understanding why there is this resistance and why there is, you know, this concern of uh, either lack of trust in AI itself in its decision-making or even from uh, a job dis displacement point, uh, point of view. But what we've learned over the years is educating our stakeholders about the benefits of AI and seeing how this really you know, goes in line with their values of efficiency and accuracy and customer experience is very helpful. And these are the values that we have to also focus on ourselves. So we go through several steps to uh, make this process very transparent and you know, also gain trust uh, along the way. So we have a very rigorous demonstration. You know, we get the feedback from the customers. We make our uh, testing and validation uh, go through several models until you know, we reach a point where our insurance partners are also feeling very much in line with what's been produced. So the proof of concept behind it has to you know, be done in a gradual and a result-oriented fashion. And we want to provide tangible results at the end. So, you know, so there is something that our insurance partners can measure. They can know, you know, how these uh, the traditional methods of insurance can be replaced with the efficiencies and accuracy of AI, which is also, you know, trying to remove a lot of the bias that might have come in. Uh, in terms of the entire industry transformation itself, now this is where you know the the topic gets way larger. There is a a very large sense of uh, insurance companies wanting to stay competitive, and with having a solution which is based and which is tested upon, uh, and which has been you know really made with a lot of love and intention over the last many years, I think this also gives us an edge in the current atmosphere where AI is uh, understood better, where AI is also questioned more. So I think that, you know, the current time is something very, very, very prominent uh, for us as, you know, as a proof, of course, of the topics we started way long back, but also in pushing us forward into, you uh, challenging ourselves with better solutions mm. <clears throat> and that's that's that I think the you touched on you know struggling to in the beginning I guess mm. communicate this to the the industry you were very much playing with it before the insurance yeah. industry started to understand it more like do you think that's do you think that's the game-changing moment in insurance whereby you know it's more it was a lack of education more regulations have come in has that been the the shifting moment for you and, and where do you see the future of insurance offerings now within ai so 
see the insurance industry has you know has proven to be very critical and very consistent uh irrespective of the changing times right so it is something that we use in our daily life as well we uh, look forward to you know the insurance products being our safety net so this does not change what changes is the speed and the accuracy and the fairness around it and how this is provided so the more we can use our current systems to uh, focus on the right things on you know aligning with the goals that the insurers have i think the journey of you know any digital transformation within insurances is only going to go wider and broader and the adaptation is something that is also going to be necessary to keep in comp a competitive advantage uh, from a business goals point of view. In terms of you know, your consumers at the end, your consumers are also uh, now being more exposed to rather better solutions in some ways, or they're being exposed to you know, the general information. It is really just more accessible. So I think it is important to consider this uh, this change that is happening on a very global level to keep an edge to keep a, you know a step forward uh, but at the same time check ourselves on do we you know uh, comply with our own set of values do we comply with the set of values that our insurers uh, pick and you know it has to be a collaborated effort mm. And where do you see it going now? You know, where do you see the, the kind of next kind of big step in, in, in innovation with AI for, for you guys or, or just for the industry as a whole? Yeah, so, you know, if I could look into this little <laughs> ball, or, or, you know, it shows me the future, I would love for the claim settlement, uh, even just from a consumer point of view, right? So, uh, you know, if I do uh, have a claim settlement, which is done in a matter of a few seconds or a few minutes, it's going to be... Uh, it's going to be like e-commerce nearly. It's like, you know, getting your instant gratification out. So I think there is a lot of steps. So now when you think about where we stand with making uh, claims, we have days to even months to even sometimes years before anything is settled because there are just so, so many more cumbersome steps. And I think the power of AI can be used to break these steps down into something that is very digestible, but also very repetitive. So I think I, I have been in love with patterns all my life. I think, you know, there's a little mathematician inside me who is always hunting for where the dots align. And uh, this is where I see the, you know, the future of insurance also being that you're able to connect these dots in a very, fair in a very quick and a very predictable fashion hmm. yeah that's always this always seems to be the goal i think now speed doing things in minutes rather than days weeks and months like do you have a kind of time scale at the moment how quickly you guys can get a claim through or is it still still in still in the works to, to really we, we have our internal goals and we have our internal missions and we have very ambitious ones <laughs> so you know we uh, but speed is definitely on top of it all yeah yeah no fascinating and and like one thing i was really excited to 
speak about was that AI piece, but just given your background, you know, you don't come from a, a traditional, as I say, engineering route. Yes, there's the degree in computer science, you know, I think way back at Whitpre works a project engineer, but quickly found your niche within strategic consulting, project management and organisational change. And you know, I think just touching on that kind of leadership and culture piece within tech teams would just be so insightful from you. And, you know, in terms of influencing or how do you approach building and, and leading an engineering team within the insurance industry, which, as I say, historically is not akin to having strong software-led high-performing engineering teams. How do you influence and, and, and build that with, with your kind of background? So I think this is, uh, there is no silver bullet to bite here. <laughs> that is that is something I had had to learn, you know, uh, also moving into the insurance industry after having a sense of, you know, many experiences across other domains and industries, of course, right? So I think it is for the first time in this job that mm -hmm. I underestimated the influence of a domain and the domain being uh, insurance. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's a very, very complex question to answer in terms of how do you lead engineers in the, in the insurance world? So I think what helped me first is to not think like that, <laughs> to say, okay, you know, we are by the end of the day dealing with people and everyone has their own motivations and everyone is uh, performing according to their motivations and goals, uh, both in their personal and professional lives. So that's where I come from as well uh, for my uh, teams. It is important for me to first relate to them uh, as a person. And uh, actually, you know, funnily, uh, I had a similar question that was asked to me by one of my lead engineers just yesterday, who's, you know, very uh, newly stepping into this role. And he was like, uh, Pitti, this is the first time I do people management. You know, I've been in this company for a long time now. This is the first time I do people management. So how should I even start a one-on-one? -on -one? You know, what, what do you do? And I think it is a question we all ask ourselves very, very often that, you know, okay, you know, it's a, you're having a one-on-one -on -one with someone who is your boss. So you don't want to, uh, you know, come from a wrong point of view in any way. You don't want to rub them off in the wrong way. But I think those are such archaic thoughts at this uh, stage, right? So I think that was my first thing that I was trying to explain. I was like, you know, you have to move away from the fact that you're moving into being a manager. And you really have to truly embrace that you are supporting someone in their current role for two big reasons. One is their personal satisfaction and happiness, and then you have the business goals, right? And neither of these two elements get personal to you. And you have to remove yourself as a person away and get very contextual. So, so I think that's that has been the way I have moved into the team as well, Gavin. Over the years, you know, the team has grown in its shape and size. And, uh, but keeping this consistency on, you know, hey, we are one, you always deal with individuals. So try to know the individual and then always know what your business goals are and where you want to go and why. So you can uh, answer and stand in for these business goals and represent them in the right way.
yeah and your background allows you to probably do that a lot more seamlessly you know you can really connect the dots and um and i know again it's another you sort of talk about the complexity of insurance and you try and almost separate the two which i find interesting but i guess in the context of insurance you know what specific challenges did you or do you currently still face in aligning the kind of engineering team goals and initiatives mm-hmm. with the business needs like and how do you overcome them I mean, it is it is probably one of the most exciting phases to be a part of because we uh, have a lot of validation and we have a lot of feedback from customers at this point. So let's take a step back here. Mm. What happens when you are in a B2C kind of a business, right? You have instant feedback. And the difference when you are interacting with customers directly is... Uh, very prominent when you are interacting with a B2B kind of a setup. Yeah. The kind of feedback then you get from a B2B is uh, different. It is centric to, you know, what is the efficiency that you're bringing in? What is the accuracy that you're bringing in? And we are in a lucky position right now to get a lot of this feedback. It is not so common to have it. So I think these are the factors of, you know, the information that is distributed, perhaps not just with engineers, but with broader departments. And I find it important for me in my role to gather this information up and uh, also share it in uh, with the broader engineers. And you know, when you were talking about the motivation and the challenges that uh, the engineers face, or you know, we as an engineering department face, I think this is the missing piece to it. This is the gap to fill in to actually understand how our solution is being utilized on the other side. So when we have a digital claims platform to, uh, you know, to service, then we need to understand the kind of potential risks uh, which were identified. We need to understand if you know, the predicted advi- uh, predictive advice that is being provided by our uh, AI models actually uh, is in sync with uh, what the business is doing in the background. So, uh, and you know, we want to actually significantly speed up the claims process. That's been the backbone of a lot of topics that we are currently doing. So we also go back to asking ourselves these questions within engineering very often. We want to know, you know, how claims are analyzed by the human adjusters. We want to understand how certain decisions are being made. And, you know, and then we want to automate these uh, process steps. So in terms of the personalization, that is also a big goal, which is provided by the insurance industry right now, we also need to go in and understand the personalized policies, which are based on individual risk profiles. So I think we intuitively get very close to our customers by wanting to replicate you know, these process steps and make it very customer centric uh, by living that life for short bits, where, you know, going through those journeys, even for a short bit, and, you know, using our engineering skills on top to recognize what could be, you know, a potential step that we automate versus what are the steps that we need to go back and ask. So having this kind of a fluid partnership 
uh, but also a very emphatic one with our customers is critical and bringing the engineering team really close to these topics um, is a difference from you know what I see we do with a lot of other industries, for example. It is, uh, it is necessary for us right now to have uh, the knowledge of claims adjustment rather, rather seeped in across all the roles in the company. So there are a lot of things that uh, you know we as a company do in terms of this continuous learning environments to keep up with the technology changes. We have uh, regular training sessions, we make hackathons and we have our knowledge sharing sessions where these exchanges happen internally with you know, a broader scope of how our insurers are doing their everyday uh, businesses. Mm. So interesting, you talk about connecting the engineering to the humans claims adjusters, connecting them to bringing them closer. Um, but you do all that from a very far distance. You know, your team's all fully remote. Um, yes. The team's all across Europe. You champ, really champion full autonomy at all levels. And I think that's a really interesting point. That, of course, you can provide a lot of insight in on that. Yes. One, building a culture fully online. And two, maintaining it and making it better. I think there is a lot that has to do with, you know, how we want to operate as a company, right? So there are a lot of topics that we uh, bring out from a company point of view on where our culture needs to stand. So in those regards, what we also do uh, is we, you know, give an opportunity to a lot of our uh, team members to rotate their roles. So this kind of prevents the burnout. It kind of prevents them to, you know, uh, from that feeling of being stuck and forces them to, you know, use and understand different perspectives, broaden their skills, but also maintains the engagement at the end. And I think when it comes to this remote setup point of view, the engagement is a key factor that, you know, you're uh, always uh, fighting against. So uh, that's one factor for us from, you know, opening up the spectrum of work itself. But other than that, we have, uh, you know, we have our hackathon or innovation days where, you know, we kind of step out of our regular work. And given the pace at which we are moving with AI right now, it is even required for us to, you know, step out, uh, do more of a market research, understand more of where the technology is moving at light speed right now. So keeping up with any of these factors takes time and we as a company want to provide this time. So we provide the time also for our engineers to make open source contributions and uh, to support, you know, and to give them the feeling that this is actually uh, even an expectation from a company point of view that everyone reflects back on themselves. We have transparent road mapping. So, you know, we uh, roadmap with the entire company. We talk about uh, our culture very often. Uh, we have our, you know, we have a monthly sync uh, with the entire company as well, with a company all hands, or, you know, a tech talk uh, within the company, which is uh, focusing on a certain knowledge base. 
And um, at the same time, I think what uh, we started doing to keep the remote culture, but yet feeling together alive is we have bonding weeks and we have on-site weeks, yeah? So the bonding weeks are for our entire company and certain weeks in the year where we, you know, we have everyone come to Berlin and we share our experiences. We have our hackathon either up there or we have, you know, uh, company related culture building activities, team building activities. The last one we did uh, focused a lot on uh, feedback cultures. And, you know, so we're basically sharing our success, celebrating failures, celebrating successes at the same time. And uh, we, and on the on-site week is something that, you know, we invite all our new joiners to come to Berlin. And a lot of uh, either the, uh, you know, the people who are joining new, their managers are there in Berlin as well. The teams are there in Berlin as well. So we want to facilitate, you know, this ongoing exchange and we don't want to feel disconnected to be a only remote company. So, you know, we have these ebbs and uh, of meeting and then, you know, going and doing your work offsite and then we meet again. Uh, and each time we meet, we share meals. So we have a tradition at office uh, where we have a large communal table and we have in-house prepared food, you know, we're having the uh, best of the food, but we're also sharing a lot of our stories on a very personal level on these tables. So I think our tables are way wiser than we are. It's heard a lot. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, a couple of things that jumped out was the transparency on the, the roadmap, you know, the, the constant mission that you guys are on, constantly talking about culture and and just that kind of last piece there around continuous engagement, because, you know, I'm a home worker myself, you know, the FinPro, rest of the FinPro team are in the office in London and, you know, it's just, I feel like we are very good at that as well, continuously engaging on a daily basis. It's very easy to go down a road for five, six, seven days and, you know, potentially not really speak to anyone, you know, we see it a lot in, in, in remote cultures, but it seems that you guys have, have really got it spot on. Um, it, it took us a while to, you know, understand where we want to go, right? So I think there is this openness to experiment with it. And, you know, there is a willingness for our teams to also speak up and ask for what they want. Uh, and I think it's important for us at that point to start listening to what is wanted. Uh, so, you know, Gavin, I completely understand when you say, you know, you can be completely online and, yeah. you, you know, be completely disconnected at the same time and you get your work done, but it's not about the work, right? We bring our entire humans each mm. day to uh, all our discussions. So, yeah, yeah. It, it has been a journey. It's been a lovely one. Amazing. And like a kind of final piece that I wanted to touch on was more around you and, and your leadership. You know, it's... I think your job's difficult, you know, as the as the VP of engineering, and you know it can't be ignored in, in such a male-dominated space within both insurance and engineering. But I think your position as a VP of engineering is just really interesting. You you have the CTO above you, you have the, the engineering managers below you. It's a big challenge. Like, how do you kind of manage that within relation to strategy and, and implementation? You know, i.e., having a seat at the, the table, but you know, not quite if that makes sense I, I i know what you mean i think the most important thing i've learned over a period of time now is i need to stop taking myself so seriously 
so you know it's about really bringing your true genuine self on the table and uh there is a job to be done and that is defined right so if you have a genuine growth interest in uh, bringing the company forward there are many avenues to uh, stand in for and then you know you have a certain responsibility to your engineering managers to your uh, you know, to all the people who you're responsible for, right? And the responsibility is to make their lives as interesting, as skillful, and as, uh, in, uh, you know, growing as possible. Mm. So, so I think I come more from that point of view. Now, when it comes to being a woman in the industry, uh, there are definitely challenges. You know, you it is something that cannot be unsaid, but we are also in a very nice lucky position here with having, you know, about 40% of representation on the leadership level as uh, women and uh, about the same representation across the company for, uh, you know, our diverse hires. We have about 20 nationalities in the company we have people speaking a myriad of languages when we meet on our bonding weeks. And then, you know, and then you see these small little groups hustle away for a few minutes. You hear these, you know, words and noises you'd not heard of ever before. And uh, you, you know, you smile, you appreciate it, you smile. And I think it is just so core at Omnius to have appreciation for differences. Right, whether it's a gender difference between a woman, a man, or you know anything else that one might identify as, or you know, just having the difference between hey, what are the cultures and the food and the you know things we wear and the things we eat. So this has this has not been a topic of discussion. You know, this has never come up as hey, you know, uh, because we are. Uh, we we tend to you know just accept this diversity, and it is important for us to also now we are a, not a massive you know ten thousand people company per se, we are extremely close knit, so this means we have to be very uh, selective in everyone who joins into the company that they also bring in the right set of values with them. So we have even in our interviewing processes in our hiring processes, we have a section where we dedicate the time. And this is one of the most critical uh, interviews from our point of view. Do you know, are we, are we uh, bringing in people who are equally open to share, who are you know willing to grow and learn and are actually also willing to accept the challenges that you know a company as uh, small but as significant as us can have. So I think these kind of uh, safety nets have to be drawn in both while we are in the company, but also when we welcome someone new. Mm. Yeah, no, thank you for that. I mean, it's it's very insightful. I think the the appreciation that you have for um, for the differences that are clearly inherent in the, in the fabric of the culture. It's not something that you sit and plan and, and strategize, you know, it, it's much more organic. It makes it, it makes it more sustainable. And I think that's just a, 
a really nice point to leave it on. So Dipti, I'm just conscious of your time as well, but it's been amazing to have you on. Thank you for you know, agreeing to do this with us and um, enjoy the rest of your day. Oh, Gavin, thank you so much. You know, you've taken me through a roller coaster of cycles and experiences myself in the last <laughs> few minutes. So <laughs> thank you. But it was it was really nice to have this chat. Thanks. Have a good day too.